I was going to stand, and uh, midway through uh, the service, or when I was sitting down, I told Laura, I was like, I don't feel good. I don't know what's going on. And so one of two things, you're going to see two things you've never seen at River City Church. First, I'm going to talk to you sitting down, and the second thing is there is a chance I may throw up in front of you. And so I asked Mark to get me a bag, and uh, I, you think I'm kidding. Laura has been praying for me the whole time. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because I'm coming off pain medicine or if I, I need to take more or what the deal is. But uh, I did have hip surgery. I feel I'm not tall enough to sit behind this. That's why I knew I'm too excited or energetic. But um, I'm actually going to start with the video. All right. So maybe a cheesy video. But um, I worked a long time on that last night for you guys. And the angel of the Lord said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I love starting out the Christmas season by talking about verses or using verses or telling stories about the reality of Christmas and in a foundational sense is about you. I mean, the reality of Christmas is that God loved you so much that he broke into your world, our world, to exp- so that you can experience his love, so that you can experience relationship with him, that you are the reason he sent Jesus. I mean, that's an amazing thing especially in the backdrop of, of, of all that he's created in the universe, that you are the most important thing that he's made. And I've told people, and it's so appropriate today because it is the Christmas season, to think is if God's creation was like that Christmas tree, you would be the bow on the top. That's how he sees you, is that you are the most powerful part, the thing that he wants to draw attention to in all of his creation, I mean, and, and if we understand that, what I'm going to talk about today is that if we understand that reality and that truth, then all of, all of Christmas and all the temptations of Christmas and of life around Christmas and the busyness and the sermons we hear about that will fall into place. Think about it. You hear me say all the time, relationships are the fabric, not all the time, but you've heard me say this, relationships are the fabric of transformation. And I say that in terms of ministry and friends, and and we're going to be a church that doesn't measure success by the number of people we have, by our budget, by our staff. We're going to measure success with one measuring stick, and it's going to be transformed lives. And as we talk about transformed lives, and we talk about, well, how do we get to a place of transformed lives? Well, obviously, our four values basically reflect that, you know, evangelism, ministering to the poor, intimacy with God, and what's the other one? Power of the Holy Spirit. There you go. See, I'm not thinking straight. But, um, but those are the four values that we believe will bring transformation. And the way we're going to measure success at River City Church is that lives are going to change. And if lives are changing, then all is good, and we're going to keep on that path. But ultimately, we believe that transformation comes through relationship. That if we're going to transform District 9, it's going to be by us being on the street corner. It's going to be by us integrating life into District 9. It's going to be by us being relationally, being consistent, having uh, consistent time up at Hollybrook. If we're going to 
bring transformation to our neighbors. It's going to be by loving them and being with them. If we're going to have transformation and, and, and experience God's love and life through each other, it's going to be because we're together. And that's the reason we're starting community groups. And we hired Keith to come in and to, to redo and work through our small groups and stuff. When you start seeing me burp, you should start praying. You think I'm kidding. You think I'm kidding. Anyway, so, um, and so, and so when I talk about relationships being the fabric of transformation, it has to apply, I mean, most directly to our relationship with God. If we want to be transformed, our relationship with God will be the fabric. You know, our relationship to Jesus, our relationship, our love relationship, our intimacy with him is first and foremost. And, and what's so great about Christmas is that it, it talks, I mean, that's what Christmas is all about. It's the desire that God has to be in relationship with you. And I started thinking about this last night. You know, in a non-spiritual sense, is that really true? Is relationship really what's, what will bring us the most gain in life in terms of non-spiritual things? I, I thought about playing golf. I thought about, okay, if, if I could have, I don't need a diet. That'll make me par for, give me the water right there. All the carbonation and, dude, yeah, until it spews all over Laura on the front row. told Lex, I was like, Lex, I feel like I'm going I'm to blow chunks here. A Coke? Really? All right. It doesn't bother me if I throw up. <laughs> okay, whoever's running sound. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if I start to go, you got to cut the mic, all right? Because I'm not going to have time to take it off and get the white bag. So, but I started thinking about, is, is, is relationship, is that really true? Is that the most powerful force of changing our life, of transforming our life? And I started thinking about, and just in practical ways, is that really true? And, um, you know, there's a, a video clip, I just thought about it, that I was going to show a, a while back about a movie called The Soloist. And it talks about a guy who's Juilliard, you know, he's an amazing movie, he's a cellist, and, um, and he is, basically goes mentally crazy, but he's very gifted, and it talks about Robert Downey Jr. kind of befriending him, and how, um, you know, it just how it changed his life. And at the end of the movie, he's sitting in this big opera house, and they're watching, you know, this orchestra play, and, uh, you know, the dude is dressed like all crazy still, like he's still crazy and everything. And Robert Downey Jr., it's kind of him monologuing about the reality of how this guy has impacted his life. And he says, you know, I don't know if I've changed his life, but what I know, what they've proven is that the relationship I've had or the relationship, as we move into a relationship with people, it brings transformation. That's what he talks about. And um, so I started thinking about this in just different scenarios. And I thought, okay, what about golf? Okay, I like to play golf. I'm starting to play golf more. I can't right now because my hip's all messed up. But um, but, you know, if I had the choice, or if you had the choice, if you're a golfer and you had the choice, if you could have the best clubs, you could have the best golf glove, the best clothes, the best shoes, the best, all the best equipment, and you could play at the best golf courses, and you could even take golf lessons from good people, would that make your golf game the best? Would that in- increase your game to the fullest of its potential? Or, that, that was one scenario, you got to have all the right stuff. Or, 
This is pre-Tiger Woods screw up, okay? Or Tiger Woods came to you and said, look, you can have all that, or every round of golf that you play for the rest of your life, I will play with you. And every round of golf that I play for the rest of my life, I will let you play and watch me play. I will teach you everything I know about golf. You can use all of my own equipment. You will learn everything mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, in his words, would, would, that, that I know about the game on how to win, I will give to you. And I will mentor you for the rest of your life. What, at the end of your life, do you think would have the greatest impact? On just, on, just on your golf game. Probably being with Tiger Woods. The, you know, potentially the best, potentially the best golfer of all time. Right? Because of the relationship and the things that, it's like the things that you would learn from being with him that you would never learn from a lesson. You would never learn from having the right equipment. You would never learn from playing on the best course or the same course that he's playing on. You would learn from being in relationship with him. It would rub off on you just in a practical sense. And I think the same is true in the message of Christmas and the reality of Christmas is that the same is true for us in Jesus when we center in on this opportunity we have to be in relationship with the creator of the universe, and we say, Jesus, I want life with you more than anything. I want intimacy with you more than anything. I want love with you more than anything. And I'm going to embrace that reality this Christmas more than anything. Wouldn't it make sense than all of the gifts and all of the stuff and all of the everything else about Christmas would just kind of, I think it would just fall away. I mean, if we look at the disciples, I mean, they followed him around. He had nothing that the world had to offer. There were no Christmas holidays. There were no gift giving or things like that. He had nothing to offer them. He had no place to stay himself. If anything, he was a burden on them. Yet they chose to follow him because of the life that he gave them by just being with them. Or think about the testimonies we heard today or that we hear up here at River City Church. Testimonies of what Jesus has done in their life. And sure, there are times where, you know, I got my rent check, you know, out of the blue, you know, da-da-da-da, but it was God came through, or I got a car because God came through, or, you know, Jennifer talking about her finances. Well, what was her testimony? Was it about the stress and anxiety of money? No, it was about Jesus coming through in her life in a way that brought transformation. It was about her love relationship with Jesus. You know, every one of those stories was about how Jesus brings change as we embrace and pursue our relationship with him. So, it's really important, guys, if you're good, if that you really believe that he, or that you, I mean, we always say Jesus is the reason for the season, and we know that that's true on one level. I mean, I'm not going to, like, I can't deny that. But on another level, I mean, the reason that he's the reason for the season is that you're the reason for the season. That's a good word. The reason that he's the reason for the season is because of you. He came for you to be in this relationship with you that will give you life. And if you believe this, there's a caveat here. If you believe this, then the natural next step then is to bring other people into this relationship with Jesus. And Christmas, and the main point I want to make today is that Christmas provides us an opportunity like no other to bring people to know Jesus and to offer people opportunity to experience his love and his grace. If relationship with Jesus is the fabric for our transformation, then it makes sense that our relationship with others is what will give them the best under chance, under, will give them the best 
chance to understand and to know Jesus and to find joy in Jesus, to find rest, to find peace. I mean, after all, that's really what people are shopping for during the holidays. Don't you know that? That when people go to Walmart, they're really trying to buy love. They're really trying to buy rest. They're trying to buy peace. They're trying to buy friends, happiness, comfort. Trying to get away from loneliness. That's what the stores are filled up with. People shopping for products. If we properly labeled the products and why people were buying them, those would be the things that were moving across the checkout counter. Not the toys, not the games. That's what people are hungry for. That's what the world can offer. That's what relationship and only relationship with Jesus offers them. And we know that these things can only come from a life with Jesus. And so the reason I think that Christmas is one of the most powerful times of the year that gives us the most opportunity is that the holidays are also one of the most loneliest times of the year. I was just talking to someone, someone that is happily married, someone that has two healthy kids, and they're like, yeah, Christmas is, is kind of, I kind of want it to be over. You know, it's just, it's just a hard time. You know, I just, I just kind of want it to be over. And if you talk to people, you'll find that most people during Christmas, it's not a joyful time. It's a time, it's a difficult time for them, either because they've lost loved ones that year, they've, they've lost people in the past, or they don't have the same people that they grew up with. It's not like I was, you know, it's not like it was like whenever I was growing up or whenever I, my family was like this. There are more suicides, and I'm not sure what the rate, it's like double or triple in the, in the time between Thanksgiving and New Year's than any other time of the year because of this reality. And so, again, I believe that Christmas creates this opportunity for us as Christians to invite people into relationship, transformational relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have a chance to be relational and love people in a way during Christmas that we can't during the rest of the year. I mean, think about it. If you go to your neighbor's house during the year and it's not Christmas and you're like, I got this bottle of wine for you. They're like, is there a camera hidden? in this? I mean, what's going on? I mean, well, why, why, why are you bringing me a bottle of wine? Like they would tell you like, what do you want from me? Or if you went and asked them, hey, I want you to come have dinner with me during the year. They would like think you're stalking them or something. If you didn't know them that well, I mean, if, if, I mean think about it. If you have a neighbor that you don't know, and you, you, this is an opportunity. You can make them a gift. Or not make them a gift. Don't give them anything Christianese either, okay? Don't give them like RCC2 or RCC1. You can buy that for your Christian friends and give it to them. We want to sheep steal with that. But anyway, you know, but with people that don't know Jesus, all right? With people that don't know Jesus, sheep steal like, give it to them. Oh, that's awesome. I want to come to your church. Yeah, great. Yeah, all right, here we go. Anyway, so is sheep stealing. Let me take a little, feel a little better. But think about it. I mean, now is the time where you have all kinds of great, you're in the checkout line and someone has a bunch of groceries. Hey, I want to pay for that for you. People will be like, hey, it's Christmas. You all want to do this for you. I mean, that's a great opportunity. At the gas pump, I always wanted to do this. Person in front of you, you see him filling up five bucks worth of gas. You walk up in, put your credit card in and say, I want you to fill your tank up all the way. Great opportunity. It's Christmas to give and to be generous. I mean, but especially with people around you, like people at your workplace. I mean, how cool would it be? Think about where you work. Think about people at your workplace that you don't like, except for my staff. Don't do that. But think about the opportunity that you have to move into a relationship with them. 
I mean, maybe you don't like them. The whole year, you have not been happy with them, or they are a pain in your rear, or they are not nice to you. What an opportunity to show love, you know, to extend your hand, to extend your love into their life, to offer them opportunity for transformation. How does it come? By relationship. It's the only way. You can't hate people from a distance and love, I mean, you can't hate people close up that you work with and expect for them to be transformed from a distance. It doesn't work that way. If you want people around you to change, to know Jesus, it will come through you bringing Jesus relationally into their life in practical, loving ways. There are no shortcuts. Relationship is the fabric of transformation. And there are tons, I mean, Tom did a great job. I mean, I would really encourage you to listen to that talk a few weeks ago about how to be generous, the opportunities we have to tip big, to go out of our way, to impress the people around us that God is good, God is generous. The Christmas season is about God breaking into a God who had everything, who sacrificed everything so that you would know his love. That's what Christmas is about. And it's a great opportunity for you to extend that to other people, to be generous in practical ways. I want to tell you a story. In 1994, two Americans answered an invitation from the Russian Department of Education to teach morals and ethics based on biblical principles in the public schools, okay, in Russia. They were invited to teach in prisons and businesses and different places. And uh, it was getting close to the holiday season. And what they knew is that many of the orphans that they were going to teach had never heard, you know, the nativity story. And so they thought, well, we're just going to talk about the nativity and about Jesus, the baby Jesus being born. And so they did. They told the nativity story of the angels and Jesus coming. And then they gave, and they said that kids were kind of riveted listening to them. And they gave all the children then three pieces of cardboard to make a little manger. They gave them like, uh, like a torn, like flannel, like some torn flannel to make, you know, to symbolize, you know, like the blanket that wrapped baby Jesus. And they had a little baby Jesus that they made. They had uh, different things to make the straw and this little manger scene. Well, it turns out that they're walking around, and all the kids had made this manger, and they were just loving it. And, uh, and, and all was going well until they got to one little boy. And, and this little boy, he had uh, the normal manger scene, but in the manger he had two babies. And they're like, so they like called the translator over there. I don't want to read the rest of the story, just so I don't get it wrong in my offness. All went well until I got to the table where Misha sat. He looked to be about six years old and had finished his project. As I looked at the little boy's manger, I was startled to see not one but two babies in the manger. Quickly, I called for the translator to ask why there were two babies in the manger. The observer goes on to note that Misha very accurately recalled the story that had been told until it came to the part where Mary put Jesus in the manger. Then Misha, it is noted, started to ad lib. He made up his own ending to the story, as he said, and when Mary laid the baby in the manger, Jesus looked at me and asked me if I had a place to stay. I told him, I have no mama and I have no papa, so I don't have any place to stay. Then Jesus told me I could stay with him, but I told him I couldn't because I didn't have a gift to give him like everybody else did, but I wanted to stay with Jesus so much, so I thought about what I had that maybe I could use for a gift. 
I thought maybe if I kept him warm, that would be a good gift. So I asked Jesus, if I keep you warm, will that be a good enough gift? And Jesus told me, if you keep me warm, that will be the best gift anybody has ever given me. So I got into the manger, and then Jesus looked at me, and he told me I could stay with him for always. As little Misha finished his story, his eyes brimmed full of tears that splashed down his little cheeks. Putting his hand over his face, his head dropped to the table, and his shoulders shook as he sobbed and he sobbed. The little orphan had found someone who would never abandon him, never abuse him, someone who would stay with him for always. There's no more powerful message about Christmas than Jesus has made room for you. He has come to you, and he says to you today that you are enough. I don't desire your gifts. I don't desire your performance. I don't desire your morality, your ethics. I don't desire your effort. I desire you. And the invitation this morning is for all of us to climb into the crib with Jesus. And so for some of us, if that's new to you, the invitation is that. Do you want to begin a relationship with Jesus this morning? The creator of the universe has come, and we celebrate this reality at Christmas, and he has come for you. And during ministry time, if you want to make that step, and maybe you've been religious all your life, you've gone to church all your life, but, but you don't know what we're talking about when we talk about a peace and a rest and a love that comes from knowing Jesus. I would encourage you to come down during ministry, come find me, and we'll just pray for you. We'll pray for you to begin a relationship with Jesus. And it's as easy, literally, as saying, I want to know you. I want to be with you. I want to do relationship in life with you, Jesus. And for the rest of us, it's believing this reality. Is that enough that you are enough for Jesus? That it's not about your performance and the gifts and the things that you've bought, the things that you will buy, how you provide for your kids, how much you come to church, what you give away. It's about you receiving the love that Jesus has for you and then bringing other people to the manger. Are you willing to sacrifice this Christmas season, break into other people's worlds the way that God has broken into yours to introduce them to Jesus Christ, to the transformational opportunity that he offers them through relationship? That's the best way and the only way I think we should celebrate Christmas as a church by experiencing Jesus individually and by bringing people to experience him. So we're going to stand up now, we're going to move the chairs, and we're going to create opportunity for you to come and just, without sounding too cheesy, crawl into the crib with Jesus. And if you haven't been experiencing relationship or love or peace or rest, or you want to kind of get up on the right foot at Christmas, this is an opportunity for you to do that. And if you want to pray for him to lead people into your life, for people that you can bring to Jesus this Christmas season, bring to church, then this is a great opportunity for you to come forward and let him speak to you. If you want prayer for healing, we'd love to pray for you for that also. Just kind of come down here. But if you want to begin a relationship with Christ also, I'll be right here. Just come and find me, and I'd love to pray for you and give you some resources to get you off on the right foot.